Hello, welcome to today's episode of The Daily. It's Janice. By now, I'm guessing you probably have some plans in mind for the weekend. Maybe some me time, some active time, makan time, or family time. For those of you whose kid or kids have been having their one-week school break, I hope it was a good week for everyone. Hope you've got something to look forward to. That's a nice change from weekday routine. We definitely look forward to this Sunday service. That it's going to be a meaningful conversation with our two friends. Proverbs 17:22 reminds us that a cheerful heart is good medicine, and that's a good reminder for myself too. So I pray not just for you, but for people you'll be hanging with, spending time with, that you will have moments of fun and laughter, that you will experience God's joy, which is always good for the heart. A few days ago, I met up with a friend for coffee, a long overdue meetup, as we had not met for many months, not even virtually. Someone who used to be in a church group from my hometown. As we chatted, one of the topics we discussed was whether COVID-19 has made society more level, as some people assert, or it has in fact exposed and worsened some pre-existing inequalities. I mean, some people call it the great leveler, that COVID-19 is no respecter of status, economic backgrounds, yada yada. But no, I'm not going to launch into a discussion about that. What I do mean to bring up, to tease out rather, is this: and there are those that our world considers as great and strong people, leaders in different arenas, that by position or status may be powerful and influential. But in critical times, as when we find out that we often think of ourselves. As wiser and more capable than we really are. The truth is, God is, to borrow the term, God is the great leveler. In the book of First Corinthians, Paul addresses the Christians there on a number of issues and problems. Now, just one quick contextual comment: the city of Corinth was a hub of prosperity, center for business, government, military, and sports. There was a lot of immorality and drunkenness. There was also a heavy emphasis, a pride in amassing knowledge. So, into this context, Paul was writing to the church in Corinth. I give thanks to my God always for you, because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in Him in all speech and all knowledge. Even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift, as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. What Paul was stating, as a matter of fact, is: Hey, you're a rich church, not so much just materially, but also in your speech and knowledge of Jesus, and you're not lacking in any spiritual gift, and you are believers who live in anticipation of the Lord Jesus' return. Which is great. What church wouldn't want to be rich in knowledge of Jesus and spiritual gifts, right? Hashtag church goals, right there. After that, Paul goes on to write some profound things about God and foolishness and wisdom. So in verse twenty-seven, he writes, "But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God isn't found through human wisdom." 
not in the smartest or strongest of us. We get presumptuous if we think this way because our tendency is to look at ourselves or other human beings as the source of our confidence. If anything, the foolishness of God is way wiser than the wisest of humankind, and the weakness of God is way stronger than the strongest ones among us. See, God does not give high regard to someone on the basis of their status or economic background or qualifications. And the so-called opposite is also true. God does not give low regard to someone because they come from a lower class or you know from a poor or uneducated background. And that's why God is the great leveler. To Him, we are all precious in His eyes. We are all of great worth, and. We are all dead without grace and in need of Jesus. I remember fondly a young man who was part of a church plant in Kota Kinabalu, where I was serving as one of the pastors. There was nothing particularly remarkable about him. In fact, there were a couple of people discrediting him. Except, I kept having this gnawing feeling that I had to approach him, get to know him better, and challenge him for the ministry. Now I don't go about doing that whenever I feel like it, of course. But we felt God highlighting him, so we reached out, and Matt and I had him over for a couple of meals in our apartment, and we also invited ourselves to join him on an eight-hour road trip back to his village to see his family. Yes, we invited ourselves. I <laughs> will. He enjoyed it. As we did that. The more God highlighted him, and the more I began to see he had a call to pastoral ministry. So we challenged him, prayed with him, journeyed with him. Still, those couple people said, "You're better off investing in this other person," or, uh, "He's not going to make it. He's hardly finished school and all that." He himself grappled with feeling inadequate that there were many others better, more suitable than him. Well, just before we moved away from there, I'm happy to say he got done with Bible school, and currently he's in pastoral ministry with a church, and he just got married. I'm thankful God marked his life the way He did, and gave this young man confidence in Him, rather than needing to prove himself to others. And in so doing, God is glorified as the one who qualifies the people that humans. Think are not qualified. I share that story with the intention that your thoughts be led to viewing God as the only reason for any of us to be saved and to be of use. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you feel like you come from a good background, had privilege and opportunities that many others may not have, and if you do think so, you aren't far off. Majority of people globally would really, in actual fact, have much less opportunity than you do. Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe you feel like you have had to fight for opportunity all your life. That you come from a disadvantaged background compared to your peers. You feel you're never good enough, or that you weren't born with it like some people were. But the whole point of the gospel, the good news, is that it doesn't matter. We are all precious in His eyes. We are all of great worth, and at the same time, we are all dead without grace, and we all need Jesus. 
Paul reminds the church, consider yourself, your calling. Not many of you are wise or powerful or of royal birth. But God chose the foolish to shame the wise and the weak in the world to shame the strong. The most definitive oxymoron of this foolishness and weakness of God, which confounds worldly wisdom and strength, is the cross of Christ. And we see this subversion of foolish and weak in accounts of Jesus' life, don't we? Jesus really was not so much out to condemn or spite the religious leaders per se, but to restore and redeem those who were systemically marginalized or culturally oppressed, the outcasts, the estranged ones, the ones who are shunned by their society. And in so doing, he was also restoring the religious leaders who thought themselves wise and superior. Both needed to be restored by grace alone. Unfortunately, what often resulted was that the religious leaders took offense because it went against how they viewed the world should operate, how God should operate. And you know, the thing is, this kind of mode can be a default mode. It's more ingrained in us than we care to admit. Even though we have received God's saving grace and have perhaps been following Jesus for some time. Tim Keller in his book Prodigal God points it out like this. We habitually and instinctively look to other things besides God and His grace as our justification, hope, significance, and security. We believe the gospel at one level, but at deeper levels we do not. Human approval, professional success, power and influence, family identity, all of these things serve as our heart's functional trust rather than what Christ has done. And as a result, we continue to be driven to a great degree by fear, anger, and a lack of self-control. Now this hits me because I know it's true. I know I function like this. Implicitly, my thoughts, even if not explicitly. Relying on my self-righteousness, on my knowledge or eloquence or experience, which really amounts to nothing. Does it hit you in some way too? how you might look to human wisdom and achievements. My prayer is that you and I be deeply, truly reminded today. Nothing can achieve for us salvation and righteousness. Not our knowledge, education, status, except Jesus' cross. What the cross does for us, all of us, is it places us in the same leveled receiving position of unmerited grace given freely to all who would accept his gift we recognize and embrace that god's thoughts are not our thoughts neither are our ways his ways for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are his ways higher than our ways and his thoughts than our thoughts so that if anyone would boast he or she would boast in the lord I invite you to take a couple of minutes now to quiet down our thoughts and bring them into focus on God and what He wants to say or show us. It would help to have someone to something to write on as you reflect. 
And you may want to minimize distractions around you as you grab your journal and pen or your phone to jot in. Invite His Spirit to lead you in your reflection and your prayer right now. God, you are God Almighty, and in you is all wisdom and strength and power. Think on him and who he is and worship him. There are things I look to and ways I rely on human wisdom and strength. Lead me, Lord God, to what these are. Ask God to show you, and as he shows you, don't second guess. Get a hold of each and name them one by one, and you can write each one down. Let's go deeper. God, how might, how might I have desired significance, success, influence based on human wisdom or try to prove myself to gain approval? Lean in and ask God to show you deeper and write each one down. Spend a moment now in silence as you ask God to speak to you what He would like you to know and listen. Look on Jesus and his death on the cross for you. How is that foolishness in the eyes of the world? And how is that weakness? What does it mean to you that God uses the foolish to shame the wise and the weak to shame the strong. Does that sit well with you in your heart and life? Take a few moments to engage with God on this in prayerful response. Sometimes I wish we could take a longer time to go deeper, but I trust that you could make room for further reflection with God 
at your own time. So I pray that that reflection was helpful. Let me close in prayer for us. Grant us, Lord, we pray, a trust in you that is with all our hearts. As you resist the proud who confide in their own strength, we ask that you do not forsake those who make their boast of your grace and your mercy. We are grateful that you do not disregard us in our lowly state, nor do you let us consider ourselves worthy in our own eyes, but you remind us like you did today, that it's only by your grace that we can be saved, justified and sanctified, and you call us to see others with these same eyes, that all are precious and all are of great worth and all are in great need of you no matter our station in life. We pray that God, you would let, let this permeate everything we do, everything we think and say, so that our witness in this world shines bright, that those who live in darkness can be touched by your light and step into all that you have for them. In Jesus' name we pray all this. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Daily today. I hope you have a great day, friends. Grace and peace. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to The Daily Podcast. We'll have fresh new episodes out for you every weekday. If you like what you're hearing and want to check us out, uh, you can look us up on our website, www.thecity.sg, or check us out on our various social media platforms. We'll see you at the next episode. Peace.